Now that big game season is over, it's time to start looking at our equipment again. And for this episode, we're going to look all at bows. This is the Beyond Hunter Ed podcast, where the focus is on all the questions you wish were answered in the classroom and quite a few more. So whether you're an accomplished lifer or a complete newbie, and you're looking to discuss all topics hunting in an entertaining and unfiltered way, you've come to the right place. I'm your host, Eric Jaitner. Welcome back, guys. Okay, so... I told you in the last episode, we're going to start a whole series here where we're going to dive into archery and we're going to really tear it apart. So what's coming at you? This episode, like I said, we're going to talk about bows. We're going to really understand them. Then we're going to figure out how to make the most out of your bow, especially if you're going to be a beginner. Next episode, we're going to dive into the actual arrow itself. And then finally, we're going to talk about a broadhead. That completes the main system, but we're not even there yet. Next, I want to talk about kinetic energy and momentum. There's always been that debate, and I really want to make sure everybody understands it. Then we're going to talk about how to fletch your arrows and then how to tune them. And then finally, going to end it out with all your peripherals. So we're talking your arrow rest, your sights, your stabilizer, everything that goes on that bow to make sure it hits where you're shooting. Yep, we're going to cover that all too. So why do people pick up archery in the first place? Well, the textbook answer is obviously challenge, lengthen seasons, less crowded, earlier start, change of pace. And you know what? These are all great answers. And they're pretty much true. You get a lot longer season. Where I hunt out here in California, your season starts basically... Labor Day weekend. And if you're doing it with archery, you can run all the way till December 31st. Where the rifle hunters, they're starting mid-October and they can go a couple weeks into November. That's it. You go out to Wisconsin, same thing. Mid-September, you're running into January and you're hunting with a bow. But with the rifle, you got a nine-day season. So, yeah, the rifle can shoot a lot further, but you get a lot more time in the field with the bow and arrow. And one of the big benefits that you get from becoming an archery hunter that comes along with all that extra time in the field is you really do start to understand the animals more. You spend that much more time observing the animals, tracking the animals, seeing the animals and how they behave in the wild. And that translates even into archery and rifle seasons even into different parts of the country, you notice animals have certain tendencies. And the more time you spend out in the field, the better you get at reading the terrain, the better you get at things like still hunting, being quiet, being stealthy in the woods, figuring out how to set up tree stands, take advantage of things. Basically, you just become a better woodsman the more time you put in in the woods. So... That's one of the big benefits that I see to picking up archery is you're going to spend a lot more time in the woods. You're going to get better at all aspects of hunting just simply by being in the woods that much more. So 
now that we've kind of sold the whole let's get into archery thing, let's talk about what you have for options with the bow. And there's really two basic broad types. And it's going to be your traditional bow. And that's going to include your long bows and your recurve bows. Basically, it's a stick with strings. Very, very, very basic. And then you move on to your compound bow. And that's what most people are shooting right now. And the compound bow, it's going to use basically cams, maybe an idle wheel. But you're going to have some way of really multiplying your force. And that's going to make your arrow come out a little faster with less effort being put in on your part. The big advantage to that is you're going to be able to hold it full draw. So you're going to be able to draw a much heavier bow with a compound bow than what you would be able to with like a traditional bow, either a recurve or a straight bow. Because as you pull a traditional bow, for every inch you pull back, the bow gets heavier and heavier. And when we talk about the weight on a traditional bow, the weight of the bow is measured at a 28 inch draw. I shoot very close to a 29, just under 29 inches. So I'm holding about 10% higher than what that bow actually says. So for example, my recurve bow, it's a 45 pound recurve, a 45 pound recurve at 28 inches, but I'm drawing to about 29, which means my peak weight when I get back to full draw is right around 50 pounds about 10% higher per inch. So yeah, you're talking about 50 pounds of pull. And that's not the case with a compound bow. If you set your compound bow to 70 pounds, the peak weight on that compound bow, whether your draw length is 24 inches or 31 inches is 70 pounds. So that's a big difference that you have to understand between the two bow systems before you decide which one is the best one for you. Now, deciding which one is going to be the best one for you is really going to come down to what do you want out of it? There is something really enjoyable about shooting a traditional bow. It's more of an art form. When you start shooting a compound bow, you put your sights on, you put your rest on, and you tune this thing just perfect. And it really does kind of feel like a mechanical system. And it is. It's a very mechanical system. And as long as you repeat it over and over, you're going to hit the same spot over and over. So for new people, it's great because you take a half hour, you get the bow set up and tuned close to right. And you're able to be hitting, you know, a three inch spot at 20 yards almost immediately and consistently which means, hey, I can get you out in the field really quick with a compound bow. When we do it with a recurve bow, that can be a different story because with a recurve bow, it takes a lot longer to be able to hit the same spot over and over because you don't have sights on this. So even though a lot of people, you'll hear the argument over and over again about instinctive shooters, or people who aim. The reality is everybody aims, even the instinctive guys. 
They've just done it so much that as they draw back, they know what the sight picture is supposed to look at at full draw. And then when they release, they just know the flight of that arrow. They know the arrow's path off their bow. So it comes with a lot, a lot of practice to get that good at shooting instinctively. And I'm putting that in quotations because you're still aiming. Nobody just closes their eyes and goes, I am imagining the arrow hitting my target with my eyes closed. I'm going to release this thing and hit my target. That's not how it works. They're still looking. They're still seeing out of their peripherals, the shelf of the bow, where the bow is sitting. They still see it. And so there is still aiming involved, but they've done so much practice with their bow that it just comes second nature. It's sort of like when you throw a baseball. If you're really good at throwing a baseball, you don't aim it. That doesn't mean you aren't aiming. It just means it's very natural to you to throw it and hit what you're trying to hit. So I hope that sort of cleaned it up, made it clear as mud for everybody. But that's my whole spiel on the whole idea of instinctual shooting. Everybody's still aiming. So let's back up though real quick here. We were really diving into there and I want to talk about how bows kill. So first off, how a bow kills is going to be by blood loss. And what I mean by that is you're cutting veins and arteries. This is not like a bullet where you're using blunt force trauma and you're causing massive damage through shock. This is you have to cut and you have to bleed the animal. So that being said, when I think of a bow and arrow, I like to think of it as a broadhead delivery system. You get the power out of the bow. That is the mechanical piece that stores the power to launch the projectile. The arrow, the arrow shaft and fletching and all that, that's your guidance system. That's what delivers your broadhead. But what actually does the killing, that is that metal chunk on the end of your bow. The broadhead is what's going to kill anything. It has to be sharp. It has to be razor sharp. And it has to be solid enough that when it hits, it's going to do the damage. Bones aren't going to stop it. It's not going to bend. It's not going to break. It's going to get through. It's going to do the cutting. And it's going to come out the other end. So that was one of the big things. When we talk about how they kill, it's blood loss. So the best way to think about a bow and arrow is to think about it as a broadhead delivery system. Just like when the military, they're doing, you know, a missile is a warhead delivery system. All that engineering that goes into making sure it hits the right spot. Well, that's not the part that actually does the killing. It's the warhead itself. But all that other stuff is important to make sure that warhead gets delivered to the right spot. So there you go. That's my whole take on the whole broadhead delivery system. Now, we talked about how the bow provides the power. And how does it do that? Well, it bends limbs. So in a compound bow, you're going to notice that a cam is really nothing more than a circle that has a pivot point that is not in the center. So it's an off-centered pivot circle. What does that do? Well, so that means as you draw back, you can get to the full peak weight of the bow very, very, very quickly. And you can actually draw a few inches with that peak weight. But then it drops off at the end and you're really holding 
in most cases, only about 20% of the max weight of the bow. Meaning that if you have a 70 pound compound bow for peak weight and you have an 80% let off, which is very common, that means that you're only holding about 14 pounds at full draw. That means you can stay at full draw a lot longer. It means you can make sure you get your sight picture exactly how you want it and you can actually execute a much better shot. Let's compare that to traditional bows. Like I said, I was talking about my recurve bow. It's a 45 pound recurve. I'm pulling to 29. That means I'm holding about 50 pounds. So when I get back to full draw, I've got about 50 pounds. I do not have the same amount of time to hold that bow and get steady and make sure I make the perfect sight picture and everything like that. It's a lot more feel. And that's why I said it's a lot more of an art form when you're shooting a traditional bow than you are when you're shooting a compound bow. You get all the way back, you get into your anchor, and then you execute the shot. It's like you become a machine. And it does make you more accurate. But it definitely is not the same feel. So those limbs, that's where the stored energy is that we're going to be shooting with. It really is coming from your back muscles that pull those limbs tight together and hold them there. And then when you release all the energy that's stored up in, that, in those limbs, that's what's going to propel the arrow and your broadhead forward. And hopefully if you do it right, it's going to be propelling it forward and towards the target. So we said that it holds all this energy. So there's a really quick way, well, not really quick, but there is a quick way to figure out how efficient your system has become. So for example, my bow right now, at zero inches of draw, it's got zero pounds on it. So what you do is you set it up on a draw board. This is a 70 pound, six inch brace height with 80% let off for a 29 inch draw. And you can map out what's called the draw curve. And on the vertical axis, you're going to have the, um, the, the weight up to 70, 0 to 70 pounds. And on the horizontal axis, you're going to have the inches, 0 to 29 inches in this case. The first 6 inches are 0 because it's a 6-inch brace height. So the first six inches, there's nothing there. Then at seven inches, it weighed five pounds. At eight inches, it weighed 30 pounds. At nine inches, it was up to 60 pounds already. From 10 all the way out to 20, about 21, it was at 70 and then it dropped into the valley. Okay, and came back down to 14 uh, pounds at the 29 inches. So what does that mean? One, it means that it's a very aggressive bow. And this bow has an IBO right around 350 or something like that. Um, so it is a faster bow. It's definitely designed that way. It ramps up fast. It carries all that weight across the top and it drops off real fast. It means you're going to have a harsh draw cycle. It's not going to feel real, real nice, but you're putting a lot more potential energy into that bow. So when I draw that curve and it goes up basically like 
like an N, right? And the wider, the more area is under that N, the more potential energy that bow has. So if I had a much lighter bow that maybe took five or six inches to get up to the top, and then it dropped off into the valley over a course of three inches, you're going to have a much more rounded curve. And it's going to feel a lot easier and it's going to feel a lot smoother to pull that bow back. But you've cut off a lot of the area that's in there. So you don't have as much potential energy in that bow. That doesn't make it bad. That doesn't make it good. It just means it's going to feel different to you when you shoot. And that's kind of how you do it with, with a compound bow. Now with a traditional bow, what you're going to see is you're just going to basically see a line that goes up. Okay. For every inch you draw, it gets heavier. And you still have energy under there until you don't draw anymore. And then it drops to zero because you're not drawing any further. So that's where you cut off. And then that's the amount of er or area under there. So as you can see, the compound bow is a lot more of an efficient weapon than the traditional bow. I'm going to put a link to these graphs on the show notes. So you can go take a look what I'm talking about. It's all theory, but it really does help you understand which bow is more potentially efficient or has more energy in it than another bow. So we talked about how we're delivering this broadhead and the more energy you potentially have, the more energy that is possible to put into the arrow and into the broadhead. Okay. So with the, with the bow we were using as the example, that all added up to roughly 114 pounds or, um, sorry, 1,300 69 inch pounds of energy that's stored, turning that into foot pounds, 114 foot pounds. Then if you take the weight of your arrow and the speed of your arrow and you get the kinetic energy of your arrow, you can figure out how efficient your system is. So even though that bow has a potential of 114 foot pounds, you're going to find that you're probably, after you put everything on your strings and everything like that, one, you're not coming off as fast. You're probably, depending on the arrow that you have, because the heavier the arrow, the more efficient you're going to be. Because there's only so much room or so much that can be soaked up into the mass of the arrow. The heavier the arrow, the more mass there is, the more of that energy it can soak up as it's shooting off the bow. So that means that if you have a super heavy, let's say you have an 800 grain arrow, your max is 114 foot pounds. You may end up close to 107 foot pounds. But if you do like a 350 grain arrow, which is the lightest you can do here, yes, it's going to come off a lot faster, but odds are you're only going to be like 70 foot pounds you're going to be much lower. And the reason is because you're going to have a much louder bow. There's, there's not a lot of mass there for all that energy to soak up into. So instead, where does that energy go? It goes into vibration. It gets thrown into the string. It gets thrown into the 
limbs. It gets thrown into your hand. That's that hand shock you're feeling. All those dampeners you've got all over there, that's to absorb all that energy that couldn't go into the arrow. And the ideal is to put all that energy you're holding and transfer it into the arrow to send it at the animal. That's the ideal in my book because, well, hey, I'm going through all this effort to pull the bow back. I might as well use that energy for what I want it to do. So I know we rambled on that for a while, but I think it's important to understand exactly how the bow system works. So all that to say, what are some good options for people who are starting out? Well, you don't have to spend a ton of money on the bow. Remember, this is a broadhead delivery system and people have been killing animals with bows and arrows for thousands of years. And believe me, they didn't have the latest and greatest technology when they were doing this. So you don't have to spend all that money and buy a $1,500 bow to go kill an animal. In fact, if you're trying to get into traditional hunting, if you're looking at it and going, hey, I really do think that that art form idea of, of shooting a bow, that just speaks to me. I, I really want to do that. That's like, you know, is, you know, what the Indians did, what everybody did all the way back through time. I want to be part of that group. Okay. You don't need to go super heavy. I'm shooting a 45 pound Samick Sage right now. And that's my deer or smaller bow. If I'm going out traditional hunting and I'm going for deer, I'm using the 45 pound bow. If I'm going out for elk, I'm stepping it up to 55 pounds. Now, in California, we have some pig hunting and I definitely throw pigs in there with the bigger game. I treat them like an elk, uh, all the hard bones. It's, you gotta, you gotta treat it with a little more, more power. So elk and bigger or pigs, those types of animals, I'm stepping up to a 55 pound bow on the traditional side for deer and smaller I'm shooting a 45 pound and I've never had any issues. Now I shoot a heavy arrow. So I take full advantage of the energy that that bow is capable of producing to throw at the animal. And we'll get into that when we start talking about arrows next time. And we're definitely going to get into that when we start talking about the whole momentum and kinetic energy debate, because that's really where it all comes down to. But needless to say, especially with traditional, I shoot a much heavier arrow. For those of you who want to drive into the, into the compound version of archery, I got two options for you. One is PSE. Great, great bow. I've got a buddy who actually, this was his first bow he got. He just got into it about four or five years ago and he's loved it. It's the PSE drive. I think they're still making it. It's a great entry level bow. It's not going to break the bank and it's very accurate. Great bow all around. No, no way to complain about it. And then the other one that you can do is if you just go onto Amazon, you have the Dragon XH from Senlita. This is the same bow I got for my kids. And I really like this one for kids because it goes from 15 to 31 inch draw and from 10 to 70 pounds. So it can grow with the kids and you just move a couple set screws on the cam, rotate some rotate some parts of the cam and then set it back in. So my kids, for example, they started shooting these things about a year and a half ago and believe it or not, kids grow quickly. So 
in the last year and a half, I've had to increase their draw length about two inches each and, you know, put about 10, 15 pounds onto the bow. So they're still shooting them. It's the same bow, but this way they're able to just increase it as they get bigger. So that, that's a great setup right now. So those are the two that I really pick up right off the top. But to be fair, there are hundreds of choices out there. And a good option to kind of get some feel and some feedback is going to be compoundbowchoice.com. Again, it'll be in the show notes. It's a quick link to, basically, it's got a list of all these bows from all the way back to like 2002 when they came out. And it's going to tell you what the specs are, how fast they're supposed to be, which we're going to go into that real quick here. But take IBO with a grain of salt. But how fast they're supposed to be as well as what their brace height is and what their axle to axle is. I'm very partial to a longer axle to axle bow. I do think it stabilizes a little bit. Brace height is supposed to make it more forgiving. The bigger brace height is supposed to make the bow more forgiving. I really haven't ever seen that with today's compound bows. I've shot bows with seven inch brace heights. I've shot bows with five and a half inch brace heights. I haven't seen a lot of change in the forgiveness. Now, I have seen a little bit more forgiving, especially on uneven terrain, longer to axle bow, axle to axle bows. And the reason for that is when you get your stabilizers set up properly and that bow sits vertically, the longer the bow is, the more it's going to sit vertical. It, you're just using physics to your advantage here. Now, if you're shooting on flat ground, probably not going to notice it. But if you're shooting on a 30 degree hillside and you're shooting perpendicular to the hillside, so across the hillside or yeah, whatever, you know what I'm saying? If you're shooting across the hill and you're not actually stable in there, that's where you're going to notice where the weighting of the bow, if it is because gravity always pulls straight down. And if you have a vertical bow, it's going to pull it straight down and it's going to get that bow set in properly for you to make a better shot. That's where I think the longer axle to axle bows can help. Um, all that to say, what are you looking for in this bow? Well, you're looking for how it feels on the shot. Now, unless you've shot a lot of bows, you're probably not going to be able to tell a whole lot. And the thing is, when you start talking about feel at the shot, there are going to be some bows that just vibrate like crazy. And it's just, I mean, you, you hit your hand is like numb from all the vibration. You don't want that bow. But that being said, any bow, even most of them now, even if there's a little bit of hand shock with no vibration dampeners on there and you're shooting a light arrow, if you add a heavy arrow to that, if you like take, let's say you had a 400 grain arrow, which is not uncommon. And instead you put on there a 650 or 700 grain arrow, you're going to remove the hand shock to almost nothing. And this goes back to what we were talking about before, where all that energy that was stored in those limbs, it's got to go somewhere. Well, if you have a 700 grain arrow, almost double the arrow weight. Well, there's a lot more energy that can be soaked up by that arrow. So that means there's a lot less hand shock. So it's going to, by that, make the bow feel more enjoyable to shoot. One of the other things we were talking about, that super fast, aggressive bow and the draw curve, that's going to feel a lot worse on your draw, 
especially if you have to come down from pull down or from full draw and you have to let down, that's going to try to rip your shoulder out of the socket. Now, if you're a big guy, you've been doing this for a long time and Hey, that's just not a big deal for me. I like the aggressiveness of that bow. Go for it. I personally do like a very aggressive feeling bow. I think it forces me to pull all the way back into the wall and lock in there. That's the other thing you notice with some of these aggressive bows. If you come off the back wall just a little bit, it just really wants to go. It tries to pull your arm forward. Well, when it does that, I mean, one, don't punch it there because that's a bad shot. But it makes it really hard. But the upside to that is if you know that when I shoot now, I know I cannot relax in. And you'll see people as they start to get tired, start creeping just a little bit forward into the valley. And it's going to throw off your consistency. So for me, I like that aggressive bow. So I pull all the way back and I have to pull hard into the wall. And as I'm pulling hard into the wall, it makes it so it's a more repeatable process. And that's what you're always going for. It's a very repeatable process. Finally, we're going to talk about cost. That's up to you. Your budget is your budget. I, I gave you some options here that are ranging from, you know, 150 bucks on the traditional side to 250 for the Dragon X8, I think it is. And, you know, the PSC drive, you can get it set up with arrows, rest, everything ready to go. In some places, last I saw it was like 500 bucks and you're good. So you don't have to break the bank. Now, that being said, you can always go out and buy yourself a $1,500 bow if that's really what you want. But make sure you shoot all of these things and make sure you know how much this is really going to feel different and how much more you're really buying for this. Remember, faster isn't always better either because just because it shoots fast, if it doesn't shoot accurate and it doesn't feel good in your hand, it's not, it's not going to be the right bow for you. You really want that bow that you feel like it just settles in your hand. It just sits for you. That's the bow for you. You want it to feel the best for you. So as you draw back, what I'm getting at here is when you draw back, you should be able to put the bow on target. Now, granted, it's not going to just sit there because you don't have your stabilizers or everything like that. But the closer it gets to just sitting there and it doesn't want to tip side to side and everything, the less that you have to put weight on the sides to make it sit for you, the more it's going to fit for you. And that's going to come down to the grip. And we're going to dive into all of that stuff when we go into the accessories because we're running a little bit long here. But needless to say, get out there, shoot the bows and really figure out which one is going to be the best feel for you and kind of figure out what you like in the feel of the bow because that's the other side of it if you enjoy and it feels good to shoot you're going to shoot a whole lot more and the more you shoot the better you get so there we go faster's not always better the animal really doesn't care what you shoot him with he doesn't care if you've got a $1,500 bow or a $200 hand-me-down bow when the broadhead hits him and you've set up your arrow like we're going to talk about in the future episodes, he's not going to care. It's going to go right through him. And it just doesn't matter. So like the bow is a very important part. I'm not trying to downplay that. But it is not the end all be all. We come into the arrow and we come into the broadhead and those parts are as important, if not more important, to the broadhead delivery system. So... 
before next time, if you're interested in this archery thing, get out there, do some research, go to the bow shop, take a few shots and see what you really like out of the bows. And I'll see you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to this episode of Beyond Hunter Ed Podcast. And as always, if you have questions, please email us at questions at beyondhuntered.com. Or you can find us on the web at www.beyondhuntered.com. Thank you.